Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. It is time for us. We are The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels, and I'm excited about the Super Bowl. Okay. I am. I'm excited about the Super Bowl because I have two teams that I like and Mm -hmm. one that I will root for over the other. I hate when the Super Bowl comes and it's two teams that I couldn't care less about. I mean, I can get excited about the pizza and the wings and all that kind of stuff, but uh, Mm -hmm. this is going to be fun. Yeah. And I heard you last week, man. Now, hummus? No. Thanks. No. 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 Not for Super Bowl, not for anything. No. But I have a question. Yes, sir. Did I dream the fact that the 16-week season for the NFL was expanded and every team was given a bye week at different times so that there would not be two whole weeks of hype between the end of the season or the last championship playoff game and the Super Bowl? Yes. No, you did not dream it. Y- yes. Then why did it change? Why are we back to two weeks of, of totally full hype? What happened? I don't know. You're right, though, that the idea was we were not going to have an extra week between mm-hmm. the championship game and the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and we sure did. We I did. We're back I, to it. It's an excellent yeah. question, sir. We'll have Can to get we'll the commissioner to, on the phone. We will. We, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've got his number right here. I got your number right here, Roger Goodell. No, I, you know what? The next time we talk to an NFL player, which is going to be coming up either next week or the week after, I will mm-hmm. ask that question. Let me, let me be even more forceful. I, I can use this as a promo. Not next week, but the week after that. We will have a a former member of the Kansas City Chiefs on our show. Okay. And he will know because he's still active in the football arena. Ah. Yeah, we will ask him. They they call them stadiums, not arenas. I didn't didn't, didn't. (laughs) Stop it. Stop it. So what are you doing for the game? Are you are you staying home and watching? Are you going someplace? You haven't. Oh no, I stay I stay home and watch because yeah. I don't ever want to have to worry about getting back home. Yeah. After I watch. So do you uh, have people come over? If they have a mind to, yeah. They can come <laughs> yeah. over if they want. They have to bring their own bottle. I'm not having a party. Um, you the, know the the Ashton, I was gonna say the Ashton home rule I can imagine is we're in Louisville. Bring a bottle of bourbon, and you're welcome with open arms. And, come and as with, long as you come with nothing, and we'll show you the basement. As long <laughs> as you leave the bottle, when you, you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what happens in my house, man. Is is I sit down, all excited and twitterpated about watching the game. Uh-huh. If it's a good game, I watch yeah. it to the end. Yeah. If it's not a good game, if it's a blowout, I may start watching something else at halftime. Hmm. Uh, and I don't want to sound like the get off my lawn man, but I am not watching the halftime show. Halftime show hasn't been good in the last 12 years. I got to tell you, um, I, so I'm I'm stuck. First of all, you and I are both old DJs and, and mm-hmm. I've been in the advertising world my entire adult life. So I watch, I don't get up until halftime because I want to watch the commercials. The commercials are entertaining. The people who do them are brilliant, creative people. Some of the stuff is is remarkably funny. Some of it is poignant. Some of it is touching. Some of it is informative. Most of the commercials are new for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I watch intently. So when people get up and talk and stuff during the Super Bowl, it makes me crazy because I like to watch the game. I'm obviously a fan, as are you, but I also want to watch that. When it comes exactly. to yeah. the halftime shows, the J-Lo Shakira show from four or five years ago was incredible. Yes, they were. It was incredible. <laughs> yes, they Since were. Since then, me. <laughs> Not so I much. I heard it's going to be Usher. Me. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I don't know one song Usher is. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't have any idea. Same thing with, um, uh, what's her name? Who hangs out in Travis Kelsey's suite and hugs his mama all the time. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I wouldn't recognize a Taylor Swift song if I tripped over one. But okay. But I am very on board with the NFL showing her 
Oh, it's marketing thinking. genius. It is. And, and she's a great human. I mean, she, okay. every, every city she goes to and does a show, she mm-hmm. donates money to food shelters and mm-hmm. things like that. every single time. She doesn't need to do that. No, she's, no. she's a smart lady. She's a great um, role model for young girls. I don't have a problem at all showing her in the suite, having a good time, being a football fan and being a great human being. No right. problem at all. No, me either. I'm not crazy about taking time away from the guys in the trenches who are actually doing the work, but they're not really taking away from them. No, so they don't not show a play to show her. Exactly. You know. So so those people who are on social media who are bitching about Taylor Swift being too much a part of this, shut up. She exactly. does more than you'll ever do in your life to help other people. And if you have a problem with the fact that they're showing her on camera for 10 seconds or five seconds, enjoying herself and bringing a whole new group of people to watching NFL football, you're missing the point completely. How many tween girls have been watching football? Absolutely. And, and maybe not if you say, Oh, big deal. Well, they're not going to do anything about what they're hanging out with their daddies. That's right. You know, they're spending more quality time with Papa over here than anything else. So again, I I have to reiterate what you just said. If you got a problem with it, just keep it to yourself. Shut up. Yeah, shut Thank up. You. Indeed. But Indeed. About Shakira again. Yeah. <laughs> I sorry. I I I enjoyed the hell out of that. I thought J Lo so was I. amazing, and then Shakira comes out and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. To, first of all two of the most beautiful women ever, two of the most talented women ever. And then they're doing, they're, they're singing together. Why, why isn't there a concert tour that has the two of them? So yeah. nobody could afford a ticket. That's right. That's yeah. why. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So I threw the word indeed in there. Just yes, you did. it reminded me, we have to talk about indeed. We don't we have do. to. In, indeed we do. We get to. Yes, we do. Yes. They, these guys are so good. You're talking about people who are so good at what they do. These people are the epitome. Well, I mean, in, in the job seeking market. Only if you think that 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I mean, if you think 93% is good, John, it's passing. It's okay. I'll give it that much. It's it, it, <laughs> indeed it is good. That's right. If you have ever hired anyone, what a pain in the butt. Later than two years ago, you know, I mean, back in the days when people would send you a resume and a cover letter and heaven forbid you should separate them so you don't know who's saying what anymore. And then they keep calling you to follow up. Did you get it? Did you get it? Have you read it? What do you think? Altogether unnecessary when you use Indeed. That's one of the things I love about them. They make it so much easier. They do the screening. They put you in direct touch or they put people who match what you're looking for in direct touch with you. And you yeah. know that they, they're they basically absolutely perfect and meet the criteria that you've told Indeed you're looking for. When I had my ad agency, we had as many as 15 people at one point. I fired nine receptionists in five years <laughs> because I would get somebody and they would come in and I interview them and I'd look at the resume and I thought, this is pretty good. And then there was no dazzle. There was no work ethic. And if indeed existed back then, I'd have been a lot happier guy, man. (laughs) It takes too much time, too much effort. And I I would venture to guess if you're anything like me, that most of the receptionists that you hired were hired because they were the last one you talked to before you got tired of talking to people. You're exactly right. You're exactly, it was the best of the worst. Yeah. And, and I finally just got to the point where I didn't have the time. I didn't have the inclination. If I had Indeed for scheduling or screening or messaging, can you imagine connecting with those candidates faster and getting more of the right information so it didn't waste so much time? If you're a small business owner and you're not using Indeed, you're missing out. And if you want to use Indeed and you're listening to us right now, boy, have we got a deal for you. Tell me $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash approach. Woo. Just, just go to the, uh, the website indeed.com slash approach. Go there right now. Why don't you support our show by saying you heard about it here on this show. Indeed.com slash approach $75 sponsored job credit. Get your job more visibility terms and conditions apply. You got it. 
That sounds like a smart plan. So if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed you do. Well, we don't need to hire anybody to book the best guests in the world. (laughs) And today, today is Super Bowl Sunday. So we're going to bring somebody in from the world of golf. Makes perfect sense to me. All the, all the footballers were busy. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, that is that it, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Rich Styles in now was because today everybody's going to be about football and it's kind of like Thanksgiving afterward. You just mm-hmm. kind of, you're stuffed with it. So after right. watching all the stuff today and then looking down and seeing who do they have on the show today, having another football person, I just thought was too much. And Rich Styles, I've been wanting to get on our show for a while. He is the man behind the back nine boys. He's funny. He's he's a golf legend. And he does what we do, which is talk to people about golf. So it doesn't get any better than that. So do what you do with us. Listen to a guy who talks about golf. Rich Styles is coming up next right here on Ripper Chat. And just as we promised, we have returned. I'm not empty-handed. We are no. in approach shot. I am John Ashton. I am Neil Michaels. And in our hands is today's guest who comes from 60 degrees and sunny in beautiful. Are you in Georgia or are you in South Carolina right now? Uh, Georgia. You are St. in St. Simons? Simons? Sea Island, yes. This is mm-hmm. Rich Styles, And Rich is, come on, John, do it with me. One of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, Rich is the uh, is the voice behind Back Nine Boys, which is you can find on backnineboys.com or you can find anywhere podcasts are available, downloaded, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. I was Rich. reading, man, that, that, that you started playing golf late in life. How late? Uh, probably in my late 30s, early 40s. Not until oh. we moved to uh, North Carolina. That's and what, so the, what took you so long? Kids, uh, jobs, um, <laughs> stuff. stuff. I used to play maybe once or twice a year up in Illinois. But, you know, the golf season's not as long as it is in North Carolina and Georgia. That's, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Then when we moved down to North Carolina, gosh, we could play 12 months out of the year. So yeah. we did. That and, and That is the only way to get better is to play consistently. True. Yes, it yeah. is. Yep. That's funny because I play inconsistently when I play consistently. So that's not the secret sauce for me. <laughs> no, but that's golf. Yeah. That's yeah. golf. I have to jump in on this. Rich is in St. Simons Island, Georgia, not to be the guy who is the, you know, the travel guru, but I've been to St. Simons. I have a very good friend who lives in St. Simons Okay, and it is one of the quiet, beautiful places in the world. It's the Southeast corner of Georgia, just up from Jacksonville, Florida, right around Jekyll Island, if that helps anybody, but it's on the coast South of Savannah. And it's just this beautiful beach town that also has some great golf. Unbelievable golf. And St. Simon's Sea Island is the farthest point west on the East Coast. Oh. (laughs) It's just kind of indents. That's why we miss a lot of the storms is because it breaks up before it gets here, which is nice. So the strip from where you are north is St. Simon's and then Savannah and then into South Carolina, Hilton Head. So that strip of land has some of the best golf in the world. Oh, it does. Yeah. And, you know, in Jacksonville and uh, Ponte Vedra aren't bad either. That's about an hour, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty good courses down there as well. So when you get out and, you know, you're doing the show and I know you do some of the show in your studio and sometimes you take it on the road. Right. Do you find yourself waking up on a Monday and saying, I can do this show anywhere and grab it and go to some of these fantastic courses? You know, I've not done that. It's a, a, I think it's a great idea. However, it's just one of those things that I, you know, every now and then we'll go and do it on site. Like we'll do it at the uh, club car championship in Savannah that comes up in March. Uh, We do it at the Jones cup that's held at sea Island on ocean forest, uh, which are, some of the unbelievable junior golf, not junior, I guess they're high school and college kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the winner gets an exemption into the PGA tour that we have here Ooh. at St. Simons. 
So when you go to these courses, Rich, do you walk in and say, hi, I'm Rich Stiles, back nine boys, and do they comp you to play golf? No. They um, don't. But, okay. Well, <laughs> I was going to say no, if they did, and if they didn't know exactly what you look like. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, around here, yes. But, right. you know, when you get out, I also rate courses for Golf Week magazine. So I'm oh, able okay. to use my Golf Week card, which usually gets you into any golf course except Augusta National. I tried it. It didn't work. It didn't work. No, <laughs> I showed up for the practice round with my clubs and they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> Man after our heart. But you didn't get an A for effort though, Rich. <laughs> so how long have you been doing back nine, boys? 13 years. I started up in Raleigh, mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina with a friend of mine who was a manager of about six stations. And one of them was a talk station. And he said, hey, you used to be in radio and you love golf. Why don't you do a golf talk show? I thought about it, came back, and I said, okay. And we started Back Nine Boys after we figured out what the name was going to be. And I had a co-host with me up in Raleigh. And then when we moved to Georgia, uh, just decided to keep the name. And it had a little bit of notoriety as far as people remember the name. So we've been doing it down here, 10 going on 11 years. We're on 12 ESPN radio stations in Georgia from Macon, all the way down through St. Simons, all the way up to Savannah. And then, of course, as you know, the social media part as well. And here's the part that just cracks me up. And I I realize what a complete goober statement this is going to be. But it's the group of stations, the ESPN stations, are called ESPN Coastal. And in 2022, ESPN Coastal was sold to a new company, and I'm not kidding you. It's called Shanks Broadcasting. Correct. Talk about a great golf name. I was um, going to say. Yeah. And uh, they were going to sell it to Hook Broadcasting. But... Right. Right. And we couldn't find Draw. Um, and we couldn't find anybody named Straight. Um, but yeah, Bill Shanks out of Macon, Georgia, bought the stations. That's why it originates out of Macon. That's incredible that it's up to 12. Last I had heard... When I checked in on you about a year ago, it was six stations. So it's you're right. continuing to grow. Yeah, which is nice. When you do the show, you're doing it as a podcast, but you're doing it as a podcast that runs on the radio. Any Correct. challenges there? Sure, there are. I mean, you've you've um, you've got to be up to date on your social media. You've got to be able to, and you know, I obviously could do more with that. But twelve radio stations, average listeners, time spent. It's it's a golf show. And he's a sports station and he loves anything about sports, uh, you know, Atlanta Braves, uh, the Hawks, the Falcons. And it's it just fits right in with what he's doing. So we just continue doing the show with him. And it's nothing like work either, because you're you're doing what you love to do. How long were you in radio, Rich? What would you do oh, before gosh. this? I've been in radio since I graduated college. I went to this my brother, Rich, by the way. Do what? <laughs> so this is my brother Rich. Story yeah, is the right. same. <laughs> and uh, I came out of college, and uh, I wanted to be a DJ, and uh, mm-hmm. um, went to Carbondale uh, SIU, which had a great communications department. Mm-hmm. Ended up playing baseball the first year and broadcasting the games the second year, and then got into doing football and basketball for SIU, and then got hired as a news person, news reporter in uh, Springfield, Illinois. Stayed there for 10 years. Wow. And then we turned an FM station, beautiful music, which I'm sure oh, not yeah. a lot of people use that slogan anymore. Uh, we turned a beautiful music station into a rock and roll station. And Rich, as the DJ, was born. Um, <laughs> I did the night way? shift for a while. It was fun. <laughs> it was just a lot of fun. I worked uh, from Bangor, Caribou, Maine, actually, to Atlanta, Georgia. It was it was a great ride there. And then, uh, yeah. I don't know if you can relate to this, but again, 13 years ago, I was told I was too expensive and needed to go make my own way in the world. Really? And, and, yeah. And wow. I was doing a morning show right here in Louisville. And they said, sorry, buddy, but, you know, we can't afford you anymore. Go away. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just called a buddy who ran a talk station and said, hey, I'll do some voice work for you. Give me uh, 30 minutes of airtime. And that's how it's all started. That's great. That's great. There, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are also, there, there's so many avenues you can go down after you start. Um, sometimes they're not always the choice you would have thought you were going to be into. 
Yeah, um, you just just go with the flow, man. And you'll that's find exactly you, you right. SIU is where REO Speedwagon got together, isn't it? Uh, it is. It yeah. is. All right. And again, so, a guy by the name of Walt Frazier is probably their wow. biggest basketball name that they uh, have. And mm-hmm. I was lucky yep. enough to broadcast the games when he was playing, and I called him the Michael Jordan of the 60s. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He was a, was uh, a hell of a player. Yeah, he certainly yes, he was. was. In your show, not only do you talk about golf, which we do here, and John with those weekend golf guys not only talks about golf, but talks about how right. to improve and how to, and they instruct, but you've also had the ability to talk to some of the best golfers in the world on the show, including guys like uh, Gary player and Davis love the third. So talk to us a little bit, give us a, a story or two about those guys. Oh gosh. I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it, we are in such a Mecca of golf. I mean, there's probably 35 to 40 PGA corn Ferry. Uh, wannabe golfers here that live here year round. And when they're on a break, we, I get a chance to go up to them and talk to them, do an interview. I mean, I've, you know, Zach lives here. Jonathan Bird was the first one that moved here after Davis Love moved here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonathan, as you know, played at Clemson. Zach was in Iowa. And it, it's just been an unbelievable ride to be able to see these guys go out and practice. I work at the golf course two days a week, either as a starter or ranger. So I can play free golf. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that. That is the truth. I work Thursday, Fridays. That's it. And these guys come out and practice. They're just nice guys, and you know they have families. And you know, I talk to their agents. I talk to the instructors that work with them, and I couldn't be in a better place. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I had an uncle that was a DC cop for that was what he did for a living. They retired in North Myrtle Beach. They had a nice place on the 14th hole of Carolina Shores, and about a month after he moved there, he realized the best way to get free golf was to be a ranger. He knocked on somebody's door, and they said, just so happens, one of our guys just retired, and you got a spot, and he never paid a day in his life. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it is very, very nice. I mean, of course, you know, we have to go into open slots uh, when they have them, but the Sea Island Golf Courses, which are seaside, plantation, and then retreat, are mm. very, very busy. Uh, lots of members, lots of guests, lots of groups, but I do get a chance to play. As a bucket list course for 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 many people. Let's let's come back, Rich, in, in a few okay. minutes and, and talk to you about, about your own specific golf game, especially in light oh. of starting at the age at which you started, which I, I really isn't all that weird. It's like an age that most of us, even though we started earlier, start taking it seriously. So anyhow, Rich Styles from Back Nine Boys is our guest, and we're coming right back, right here on the Shop. And welcome back. We are here still with Rich Styles. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and it's so much fun to talk to people who do what we do for a living and then talk about their individual golf game. I am going to plant a seed Uh as we talk about your golf game. In a minute, I'm going to fire off a couple of names at you, and I want to get your first impression of them, guys that you may have talked to, played with, interviewed. You say on one of your podcasts, and then I think on your website, I read that you said golf's secret sauce. You talk about golf's secret sauce. And I know that that's for you, it's a balance of diet, exercise, getting your head straight. But is the secret sauce the same for everybody or does it change depending on who you are? I think it changes depending upon who you are. I'm fascinated by the mental aspects of the game and I'm fascinated by the training aids, just like everybody else thinks that the next training aid is going to be the thing that makes their game drop four or five points on your handicap. I think that the secret sauce is the love of the game, the people you play with, and it really doesn't matter what golf course you're on. What matters is to me is the group that you're playing with. And I just think the secret sauce could be whatever. I mean, I've asked Coach Hack that question. Coach Hack has got so many uh, players on the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour from the University of Georgia. You know, players like Harris English, Chris Kirk, both winners on the PGA Tour. And I've asked him, what is your secret sauce? And he goes, I'm not telling. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks, there coach. you go. Yeah, but but, <laughs> there, but then there's I've the word talked, secrets in there for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then I've talked to Harris and I've talked to Chris and some of the other guys, Grayson Sig, that's gone to the University of Georgia, and they said that the Athens Golf Course, where they where the team plays, mm-hmm. is very hard, and you have to use every club in your bag. And mm-hmm. so I think part of what that secret sauce is for the UGA is the toughness of the golf course that they play uh, when you're on the golf team at UGA. Hey, Rich, let me ask you, how, how do you feel about the uh, the USGA pulling? Well, I, I won't put it that way because that'll color my thoughts on it. This whole golf ball going too far crap about how they have to make the ball different so it doesn't fly so far. Well, so they the don't. golf courses are not obsolete yeah. anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, uh, thank you. the people that are playing the game are stronger. They're more mm-hmm. into fitness than they've ever been. Tigers, you know, put everybody into that fitness level. Yep. Um, and they're working out more. The equipment is better each year. The balls are better each year. And for the USGA to come back and say, now we're going to do this, I think it's ridiculous. I really yeah. do. Fuzzy Zeller once said that the that golf is the only game where the amateurs make the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm still trying to talk to some of the ball manufacturers because I see a problem in the fact that they're going to make a golf ball different from what they're making today. Because we can play right now the same golf ball that the pros play as, as far as brand. Right. Um, mine don't go as far when I, <laughs> when I hit them, but that's another story. So all of a sudden you're going to make a ball that doesn't go further. I think it's going to hurt the amateur game more than the professional game. It is. What do amateurs want to do? What what do you want to do when you get there? You want to hit the ball right. 200 yards or 250 yards? You know, I mean, you know, and that, we that don't care. 50 yard difference is just another club going into the green or, or, or getting yeah. closer to a par five. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous that they're even trying to do it. And my feeling is I hope the PGA tour doesn't approve it and doesn't go along with it, which would be an interesting scenario for the USGA and the PGA Tour to not agree. They can very easily bifurcate the rules if they want to, but the PGA Tour could just as easily say, listen, it's our game, not yours. Exactly. We're going to play with our rules. Thank you very much for your suggestion, but go away now. And and think about how we've been watching over the last 20 years, guys like John Daly, guys like Bryson – who hit the ball 300 plus. And part of what makes their game what it is, is being able to do that. If you take 50 yards off of each of those tee shots, those guys aren't the same players. And part of what makes them unique, part of what makes them the the people we want to watch is the fact that they can hit it farther than anybody on the planet can hit it. You you take that off the ball, you you take 50 yards off of those tee shots and okay. I mean, they're still farther than anybody, but it's nowhere near as, as fun to watch. Well, and and if you look at some of the golf course redesigns or the new golf courses that opened, it used to be, they would put the sand traps at two and a quarter, and then they would put the sand traps, you know, next to the fairway at two fifty, And then they did it at two seventy five. Now they're doing it at 300. For those guys that can hit it that far, mm-hmm. and I think you're going to change the game. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. these guys can hit it further, but you're going to take a couple clubs out of their bag, and they're not going to be able to stop a six iron going into the green as well as they can stop an eight iron or a nine iron. It's just not not good for me, in my opinion, for the golf game. Especially last week, where you know, just prior to the PGA Merchandise Show, in Titleist sets out a. Uh, a, a new press release about a new ball they have that goes further than anything they've ever done before. Sure. So they're not really paying attention to that. They're not preparing for it. They're they're going to stick with what they know their people want. I mean, exactly. I'm going to buy a ball that'll go farther off of my 97 mile an hour swing than any other ball will go. Period. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're going to really put some pressure on the ball manufacturers. I mean, uh, you know, they're going to have to do more testing. They're going to have to come up with a brand new ball. It, does that mean that all the golf balls that are in stock at all these stores and all these pro shops are obsolete? They're going to have to throw them all away. I mean, it just creates, I think, an issue that doesn't really need to be addressed. I'm just yeah. waiting for the clearance sale for Pro V1s. You know. Never <laughs> exactly. makes a dozen, you know? Oh, exactly. John, there you go. Way to find the silver lining, John. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. 
let me do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to give you a couple of names. I just want you to sort of think about. Just just give us a little piece. Um, okay. First first thought of of the conversation you've had with him or or whatever. Billy Casper. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite interviews. I was on the board of the Rex Hospital uh, Open that was a corn ferry event when I lived in Raleigh. A friend of mine befriended Billy Casper, and Billy actually stayed at his house. And Billy agreed to do an interview with me. So I had an hour and a half in this friend's library, study room, alone with Billy Casper. And I should have recorded the entire interview, but I didn't because we just talked. And what a pleasant man he was. He was so underrated, I think, as far as uh, the golf game is concerned. When I had that talk with him, he was in the middle of releasing his book, The Big Three and Me. One of the things that I found in the book, they had statistics in the foreword of tournaments played, tournaments won, and what the percentages were. Well, of course, Tiger Woods was number one. Jack Nicklaus was number two. Billy Casper was number three. Is that right? Palmer was like seven. Gary Player was like maybe in the top 20. Mm. And if you look at that and the statistics, Player, Palmer, and Nicholas went with the agency, and Billy went with the other guy that had the agency when that agency, went, when IMG split up. And Billy went with the other guy. Billy was a Mormon. Um, he didn't do all the other stuff that the other guys were doing, smoking, drinking, and so on, life, you know, like that. Yeah. Billy was so pleasant, so down to earth, which I loved. He went through in my interview with him, the 1956 U.S. Open, where he went to the 10th hole against Arnold Palmer. Palmer had a seven-shot lead. Billy Casper walks up on the tee and says, Arnie, I just want to come in second. And Arnie <laughs> said, I'll do my best. Well, <laughs> Billy went through the next eight holes, what Clubby used. Remember, he's 80 years old at this point. What Clubby used if it was a draw or a fade, where the ball ended up on the green. And he said, I birdied this hole and Arnie bogey. I'm now down five. And he went through the whole thing. He ended up tying Palmer on the 18th hole and then won in the playoff of the 56 Mm. U.S. Open. And that was just an incredible, I got chills when I was talking to him. He was, he was just unbelievable. All right. One more name then. I was going to say Gary Player, but let's just, let's just cut to the chase and say Jack. Oh, gosh, what a treat. I got an invite to go to Reynolds Lake Oconee, where uh, the Nicholas design firm was redoing Great Waters. They've got six and a half golf courses at Reynolds Lake Oconee. Jack was there that day. I happened to ride in the golf cart with his main guy who basically, Jack says, I want this over there. And that's what he did. He did whatever Jack wanted him to do. He was on the construction part. But he was very pleasant, uh, very, very nice, very uh up front, one of the things that I loved, I, I asked him, what about your legacy? He said, well, my legacy is golf and my family. And he said, now what I'm doing is I'm supporting my wife who supported me while I was on the tour and taking care of the kids all those years. Mm-hmm. And I'm supporting her now in her efforts with the children's hospitals, with the other things that they're into that is big on her mind. And I was just impressed with the way that he handled that situation. It wasn't about golf. He doesn't play much at all anymore. Mm -hmm. But just to be able to, you know, to be there to sit with him, it was an honor. It was just, you know, you got to get goosebumps when you sit down with a guy like Nicholas. Right. I was at the uh, grand opening of American Dunes up in Michigan. Oh, yeah. And and, uh, Jack was there and and got to just, you know, say hello, shake his hand and, Mm -hmm. and watch him tee off and He's still, I mean, he's an old man, but damn, he could still hit the ball. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The ball doesn't know how old we are. No, it does not. But I sure know how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) And reminded about the 16th hole every time I play. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right, Rich. Well, we, we, we love talking to you. We love talking to you about your golf game. You may not love us so much when we come back because... When we come back, we're going to hit you with the six pack. That's six questions that we're going to fire off at you. And we're going to ask you for the very first thought that comes to mind. No hemming and hawing, no thinking about it. We'll give you the, "Ah," if we think that you're thinking about it. So get ready, maybe get a drink of water or something stronger if you need it. (laughs) We'll we'll hit you with a six pack. (laughs) We'll be right back. We are the Approach Shots. (laughs) 
And we have settled back in with Rich Styles as our guest here on the Pro Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and I have to tell you, Rich, as I was putting this together, I believe I've never said this. I believe this is my favorite six pack of questions. Uh oh. So mm. makes me nervous. I'm, I didn't study. You didn't. You didn't study. Like we did. There were there were no quizzes. No, there are okay. quizzes, man. Surprises this is all, all the time. Right. Off the cuff. You ready? All right. Let's yep. do it. Question one: Who is the absolute number one funniest interview you have ever done? Uh, the gentleman that used to play on Seinfeld uh, as Mr. Peterman, John O'Hurley. Ah, uh, really? A guy we have never gotten on the show despite trying. Is he that funny? He really was. Um, he was at the PGA show. You guys have gone. Um, mm-hmm. He was at a booth. He was helping to promote his wife's line of apparel. And I just walked up to him and I said, John, could I have 10 minutes with you? And he goes, sure, why not? Yeah. So we sat down and talked about Seinfeld. We talked about his golf game, which he loves the game. Mm-hmm. It was one of those treats that wasn't on my list of interviews that day. But wow, what a chance to get to talk to him. Definitely. Very nice. And I like that you didn't hesitate. You went right for that. So you're you're on board. All right. Uh-oh. Question two, yep. guys playing in knickers, yes or no? Uh, not for me, <laughs> but I don't, but I don't, but I don't mind it. I mean, if they want to do that, that's fine. I think it looked cool. I mean, look how Payne Stewart pulled it off, but there's not a, not a lot of guys that do it anymore. They may do it for a special occasion, but I think if you could carry it, which Payne could, but it's not for me. There's yeah. a guy I used to play with when I lived in Washington, DC named Tim Haskell. I hope at some point this gets to him. Um, he used to wear them all the time and one of those cabbie caps. And uh-huh. he was a, a larger guy. And his quote, these are his words, when Hollywood comes to DC and they need a fat guy to either be a cab <laughs> driver or a golfer or just a guy who just is outrageous, they call me. And he wore knickers all the time. Well, I, th- I mean, again, if you like them and you can wear them, all the more power to you. Absolutely. A quick aside at the 100th anniversary celebration of the Donald Ross course up at uh, French Lick Resort, the entire staff was outfitted dressed like that. Oh, how cool. Wow. There you go. That's the way it should be. See, but that's a special occasion. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. And they weren't playing. They were just, you know, driving carts around. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Question three. Rich, worst shot you've ever hit in organized play. Oh my gosh. It was to the right. And I was looking straight ahead. Um, (laughs) and there was unfortunately water over there. Just one of those things that you do. And you said, uh, Shanks broadcasting, uh, that's exactly (laughs) what it was. Um, and it was just, that was a horrible shot, but you know, I picked my head up, looked away, got everything that you needed to do to hit a perfect shank. And then you get Mm -hmm. the the shank itis. It's like, you think every shot after that's going to do that. It's hard to get out of it. You yeah. are the shankopotamus at that point. Just go back to the bar and drink heavy. <laughs> That's yeah, right. And and what was that? What tournament was that in? Was that a celebrity? Uh, no, it was just it was just a tournament for the charity that was up in North Carolina. But apparently, you remember it that well. <laughs> I do, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Question four: The annual Hilton Head Island Seafood Festival is right around the corner. In fact, by time this airs, it'll be the week after. What one dish do you have to have? Scallops. Scallops. Or Georgia shrimp, either of the two. Interesting. I would have thought you were going to go with oysters from that area. No, the Georgia shrimp is exceptional. Just exceptional. And I think mm-hmm. South Carolina shrimp is probably Georgia shrimp anyway. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't I, know the border. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. I, I grew up in the Baltimore, Washington area. And what people in Maryland don't admit to anybody is between February and mid May, those aren't Maryland crabs. Those are <laughs> Georgia and South Carolina crabs. I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. Question five. Let's get creative here. You get to play in a foursome with three other people from any time in history. These can be people that you either know or don't know or would like to have known. So it's you and who else is in your foursome? Arnold Palmer, Donald Ross, Bobby Jones. Ooh, wow. Very nice putting the Donald Ross in there. You betcha. I was in his house 
in Pinehurst when I lived up in North Carolina. Uh, some guy that I met said he lived on the third hole of Pinehurst number two, mm. and it was Bobby Jones' house. Oh. And it was just incredible. I mean, obviously, it's been modernized with you know all the other things that people can do to houses now, but I, I was in the room where he used to work on his designs and then slide over on the chair with wheels to get a glass of whiskey um, and then show the people what he was designing. And then he'd slide back to the design thing and slide back to have another drink. And it was just unbelievable. And if you ever played Pinehurst number two, the third hole on Pinehurst number two, there is one yard that sticks out from all the others. That was that was his house, hmm. and he wanted a yard. Donald Ross hmm. wanted a yard, so he made his yard bigger than everybody else's. <laughs> My favorite story, I got to jump in here. I, I vacation in Maine, used to live there. My family still does. And when I go, I make it a point to play at the Biddeford Sacco Country Club. Oh, cool. There was a little plaque on the first tee that says the front nine of this golf course was designed by Donald Ross. Mm. And that's the only mention they have. Wow. It's not mm. on the scorecard. It's just typical New England understatement. Wow. Sure yeah. is. Kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, it is. Very nice. All right. And question six, and we ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Since we are the approach shot, Rich Styles, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? Be true to yourself. Be honest with yourself. Uh, know your capabilities, listen to your body. If you got little red lights going on, you might not want to do whatever they're asking you to do or you're trying to do. In my golf game, I try and be realistic that I'm not going to be the longest hitter. I'm just trying to do the best that I can with what God gave me. Very nice. You know, Rich, I said this would be, was going to be one of my favorite six packs. I didn't realize it was going to be that easy on you. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. You are all radio dude, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I should have known. We're used to living and, and trying to figure it out. Just give that's an right. answer. That's right. There you go. Cool beans. So, Rich, when you started playing golf seriously, did you take lessons, or because I, I read somewhere where you said that you you liked to interview some of the best golfers in the world to get tips to help you with your game. Did that work yes. or did you take lessons? I did not take lessons. Okay. I wish I would have. Mm -hmm. And I also wish I would have taken up the game at a younger age. It probably mm -hmm. would have helped. I love talking to the instructors to find out more things. Um, the, the mental aspects, you know, the, how to turn, how can I turn better? How can I, you know, hit this shot? What do I have to do to hit this shot? Um, and Sea Island, I have access to, all of the instructors over there and you know, they have short game instructors, putting instructors. Phil Kenyon is the putting instructor at Sea Island. And every time he comes over, he and I get together, not for a lesson. I do an interview with him and he's mm -hmm. the one that's working with Scotty Scheffler right now, just mm -hmm. prior to the Ryder Cup, help him improve his putting. I asked him when I did the interview with him, what he asked, what he was trying to help Scotty with. And he goes, I can't tell you. <laughs> I said, okay. Okay. Is there any way that Scotty Scheffler's putting can get better? Uh, he's, he's complained remarkable. about it. He could fire the Ryder Cup. Yeah, he, he that's why he called Phil Kenyon. Yeah, he had a couple uh, two putts, man. <laughs> yeah, Phil works with uh, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Louis uh, Oosthuizen, um, a lot of the Europeans. And so he said during the Ryder Cup, it was kind of uh, – tough because he had to go to the Europeans to help his guys with putting. And then he'd have to go over to the U S side with Scotty and help him a little bit. <laughs> uh, even though Scotty knew his allegiance was to the European team, but he said it was, it was a little tricky at times. Oh my that goodness. Well, right. you know, I, I, I wish I would have the problems that he had. Like you said, John, I think he two putted a couple of times. So, you yeah. Know. yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta try to avoid that. And again, I mean, going back to what you say about the mental side of the game, one, two things that have always screwed me up is okay. one is thinking negatively by just yep. saying the word don't like right. sitting on the T of a par three saying, don't put it in the water. Well, your body doesn't understand that. And it's going to do what it has to do to put it in the water. Exactly. And the other thing is counting the score around the 15th hole and going, yep. you know, if I just par all the way in, I can break 80. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As a and 93, then you, and then, right there. <laughs> and you're done. You're exactly yep. right. If you talk to the metal coaches, one of the things they'll tell you is short memory. Forget about the shot you just had that you screwed up and focus on the one shot you have done. 
Yeah. yeah. Who is it that said the most important shot at golf is the next one? Probably somebody that's not here anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like a, like a yeah. Bobby Jones or some, yeah. you know, yeah. or, one, or, or one somebody of, one like of the that. classic guys. And and we tried to play one day in a coat and tie. Oh. Made it two holes. And wow. that was it. Can't Why would it. you do that? Tweed jacket, dress shirt, and a tie? No, sir. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not going to make it. Nope. Now, if you'd done that in knickers shirt the tie and knickers that would have been great yeah and a button-up sweater yeah we still wouldn't have made it more than two holes it's hard again yeah yeah rich you said something that that i've never heard anybody say out loud though i'm sure it's Uh i'm sure it's one of those things that people understand and and know i was just out in palm springs and i played on a course that was for me, uh, tough because I'm I'm probably an 18. It was tough, but it was forgiving. There were there were some things about it that drew your attention. There was a lot of water. Sand was in interesting places, but there was a lot of wide open fairways. And it was me, and I was hooked up with three people that you know, random people. And I did not enjoy their company. They were very oh. serious about the game. They oh, didn't boy. joke around. They didn't yeah. have any alcoholic beverages. They weren't having fun doing it. They were just going up, addressing the ball, talking to each other and going out to the next one. So they're probably three or four handicaps. I'm an 18. I need somebody to help me find the ball that obviously isn't going to be up where theirs is. And (laughs) I I played up to them for a while, hit better shots than I probably should have in a lot of cases. But man, when we got to the turn, I bagged out. I just wasn't having fun. And this course was beautiful, in great shape. Right. But I was so not enjoying their company that I finally decided nine was enough. And I've yeah. never done that in my life. And we talked earlier, I think it's the people that you play with. And mm-hmm. if you go out as yeah. a single, you're kind of uh, gambling of who you're mm-hmm. going to be put with. And you really have no choice. Uh, I don't mind going out as a single if I can be the single, you know, because then I can talk to myself and beat myself up and, you know, no, n- nobody's going to hear that. But right. uh, it's 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 tough. I do have one thing that I want to add to this. One of the best interviews that I had was a guy in Savannah who was an amateur golfer. He won every amateur tournament in Savannah. His name is Hobart Manley. And I visited him with a suggestion from a guy that I've played golf with. He introduced Arnold Palmer to Winnie. Oh, wow. That's how wonderful this story was. And this guy was supposed to go out on a blind date with Winnie. He did not want to go. So he was at a tournament. Arnie was there. Winnie comes walking down the stairs, walks up to Hobart, and Hobart says, Arnie, I want you to meet Winnie. Mm. And they got married. Just to find this guy was just incredible. Another thing, too, that, that just goes to the people that you can meet by playing golf. Exactly. Right. John has a whole thing about doing business while you play golf and how to properly do it. And I think that that I think that part of the game is very underrated. The business part or the other people that you can meet that suddenly, you know, guys who are of a certain age, as they like to say, it's not <laughs> like we're going to walk up to somebody and say, let's go play in the sandbox together. Yeah, it's, right. You know, so when you have something like that where you can meet people who are your age that obviously has this in common, it's it's incredible. But when you can meet your wife, that's a whole different story. For we were thinking about setting up a dating site for golfers, and just the the logistics of putting a dating site together were just way too complicated. Oh my gosh! But but we had a great tagline. It was going to be whether you're looking to fall in love or just play around. Oh, that is good. That is good. There you go. Neil, Neil, since you're from Baltimore, I got to play 18 holes with Johnny Unitas. Oh, my goodness. Wow. It was unbelievable. He was fantastic, as genuine as you can be. He had his left arm that he hurt. Remember, he was trying to get compensation from the NFL towards the end of his career. Yes, sir. So he had a a glove that the – the wrap for the glove was about two feet. Mm. He had to wrap his left hand around. After he put his hand on the club, he had to wrap his hand to stick to the club. It's the only way that he could swing. That's incredible. Wow. I never but heard that story. He was, he was so nice. And of course, the golf course that I took him to up in North Carolina. Can I go out? And I brought a guest. Uh, his 
name is Johnny Unitas, of course. When we came back <laughs> after 18 holes, the whole staff had gone out and bought footballs for him to sign. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Can One of the more competitive people that's ever played, too. Yes. My yes. understanding is I, I just saw, I think going into last week's playoffs games, they were talking about because the Ravens were still in it. They were talking about the last time there was a home championship game in Baltimore. And they showed a clip of Unitas, who is a hulking figure. He's a big dude, mm -hmm. but not the most mobile quarterback that's ever played. No. And all you see is from the 15-yard line in, him running into the end zone and diving into the end zone. And I don't remember Unitas being that kind of guy, but he sure had that competitive fire. Yeah, he really did. Do you remember his two receivers, Raymond Berry and who? The, the the people that come here and live, I just have a tremendous opportunity, and I try like heck to get with as many as I can. And it's yeah, just I, a lot I can of fun. understand. Again, again, another quick story. I did mornings for three years in Charleston, South Carolina, mm -hmm. and it was the first rock station they had ever really had officially in town. And the 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 head superintendent of the city golf courses was a fan, and he heard me mm. say something about golf one day, and he called me on the air. And he said, hey, when you get off the air, man, anytime you want to play, just come on out. Oh, wow. And I got very good those three years I was playing in Charleston, <laughs> South Carolina. Oh, boy, yes. Awesome. Awesome. You need to do that again. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm looking for a Southern gig. Anybody got to call me? I'll give you my number. <laughs> well, and a couple of friends of, of the show are in your area, too. Ed Marinaro who um, used to be with the Minnesota Vikings and was runner-up Heisman Trophy winner and um, was on Hill Street Blues, lives in Charleston. And uh, Mitch Lawrence, who was one I of the sports boys, he's in, uh, Myrtle, he's in Myrtle Yes, Beach. he is. He's yeah. very active in golf. Right? His wife is very good at pool. Yes, That's she true. is. <laughs> he told us that. He, he told us that he doesn't tell people that when they walk into a bar either. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, she's a, incredible. She really is. And, and Mitch his is brother, just a great guy. Lives in Lexington, Kentucky, yes, whose city golf course with a greens fee of $29 has been designed by Pete Dye. Oh, wow. Wow. $29. $29. Bucks. Should oh, my God. There for that. <laughs> How fun. Yeah. Well, you ever well, get up this way, man, give us a call, Rich. We'll go out and play sometime. I will. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a pleasure. I thank you. Uh, Rich, great to meet you, man. Thank you hey, for spending so you much guys. time I with us here it. in your pro shot. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net. <laughs>